0: guys with Jason. I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. Well, here we are, week three of our Halloween countdown all the way to October 31st, our very favorite holiday, and a great season for watching horror movies that are related to Halloween in some way, shape, or form. And I believe the horror movie that we are talking about today actually takes place on Halloween, or at least around Halloween, Right. Yeah, And this uh, movie was your idea, and it's one that I've been wanting to see for a while since we had seen the movie All Hallows' Eve, which I think we watched last year for Halloween. Uh, And it included a short in there, the last one, that uh, I think think was the most powerful of all of the shorts in that anthology. And uh, it was uh, starring a clown that has been deemed since then, Art the Clown, Killer Clown, And the movie that we're watching today is the full version movie featuring Art the Clown, 2016's Terrifier, of which I believe there is a sequel that's either coming out this year or has already come out. Yeah, by the time this airs, it'll be out. Fantastic. So, Terrifier 2, if you want to work up for that. Um, watch Terrifier, which is the movie we're watching now uh, The movie's directed by a guy named Damien Leone Who also seems to be a special effects artist He had done too much before that Terrifier short in All Hallows Eve uh, He directed another short before that And then did All Hallows Eve uh, Some must-be-straight-to-video movie called Frankenstein versus the Mummy And then uh, this movie, Terrifier Which I believe was partially backed online uh, by some backers on Indiegogo so Yeah, You can see them in the credits so it's certainly a labor of love that comes out of the enthusiasm for that clown on that short and people wanting to see more of this just incredibly murderous clown like i said i'd been wanting to see it before just because of how notorious it is But I wasn't actually looking forward to watching it, to be completely honest with you, because I kind of knew it might not be my kind of movie. And anyway, I have to say, I don't think it really is my kind (laughs) of (laughs) movie. But we'll talk about more of that later. Uh, That's my history with it. It's my first time seeing it. How about you, Craig? Uh, I know that the first time that I saw
1: All Hallows' Eve was when I was on a, a trip with my mom she was traveling for business i it was summertime so i was off and available so i just went along for the ride um and she because she was it was a working trip she would need to go to bed early and i didn't have much else to do but stay in and watch movies on my laptop and we shared a room you know double beds in one room so i would sit there in the dark while she slept and watch movies on my laptop and i watched all hallows eve and i thought it was surprisingly dark like i thought it was good but i was surprised by how dark it was yeah and i thought that art the clown was really scary and at that time terrify terrifier was already out i just had been unaware uh of either of them so i'm pretty sure that on During that same week, uh, I watched Terrifier as well. And I, I just I felt it's very much in keeping with um, All Hallows' Eve in terms of tone and style. Maybe All Hallows' Eve was a little bit more stylistic in some places. But uh, again, really dark, shockingly violent. But I do think that um, the character of Art the Clown has the potential to be a mainstay as a villain in the horror genre for for a while.
0: Yeah, I would agree with you there. I, I think they're building something here that hopefully, for, for them, has some potential to stay. We're always looking for unique villains with unique powers and things like that. And at, at first glance, a killer clown doesn't seem that unique. But what makes this clown more unique is, I think, two things. One, he... He has a different look. It's not the colorful clown you would invite to your kid's birthday party. Right. It's like a classic black and white mime, almost, really, Uh in some kind of clown attire with these really sick-looking teeth and this, this huge, disgusting smile on his face. And so, yeah, so, like, the look of the clown is intriguing, I think, even if you know nothing about it and you don't even watch the movie. Yeah. You know, you see pictures of it, and you're like, oh, that is, that's different. So so it's got that going for it as uh, setting it apart from everything else. And then the second thing is just, um, I can't even put this clown in the same camp as, uh, well, you know, you got Freddy, right? You got Freddy, who's jokey and, and, and quippy, and you have these other villains who have, seem to have a sort of a personality. They put themselves out there. There's something off about them, but they have this sort of tragic backstory or some kind of backstory that makes them the way they are. And eventually, even if for the first movie we don't get that, subsequent movies will paint that in for us. And we get a rounded out kind of villain where if it's possible to have some sympathy you know, for villains, sometimes, sometimes we'll wedge that in and we kind of like that. You know, Mike Myers, the troubled youth. Freddie, who was a horrible person in real life as a child molester, but then was burned to death at the stake by the parents. So, you know, Jason, who drowned in the lake uh, by campers who weren't paying attention, and so he's coming back to to get his revenge. There's a little bit of tragedy in all that, and there's a little bit of backstory that rounds that character out, and in some of those cases, we get it in the very first movie. And so I I don't want to say we have ultimate sympathy for the villains, but there's just something there, right, that gives us a, a little bit of an emotional... Um, edge Like, this isn't just pure evil in front of us. You can latch on to that. Uh, this guy, if there's a, going to be a backstory about him, we haven't heard it yet. Right. A- and they almost seem to be deliberately not interested uh-huh. <laughs> in providing us not only a backstory or any motivation at all for him doing what he's doing, except the fact that this is just a bad guy and probably supernatural. Yeah, well, I, I think that that's what makes, aside from the
1: fact that... um you know, it's, it's very, very violent that that's, that's scary in and of itself. But I think that part of what makes him so frightening is that there's no rhyme or reason to him. Like Mm. he just picks you out and relentlessly pursues you and, and violently kills you for no apparent reason. Like he doesn't necessarily, you didn't do anything. He's not somebody, you know, you didn't wrong him in some way. Um, He's just this uh psychotic persistent evil killer. You know, does he have motivation? Who knows. It, it, like you said, if he does, we don't know what it is. Is he just a guy? I mean, we you see him at the very beginning getting ready, yeah. like putting on pancake makeup and where he doesn't wear makeup, like under his gloves and stuff appears to be human flesh. Mhm. But he's also got, uh, I don't know, his features are just a little bit off. Like, And the, the man who plays him in this film and in the upcoming sequel, his name is David Howard Thornton. Uh, I'm looking at his picture on IMDb right now. He's a good-looking guy. So mm-hmm. I'm sure that it's prosthetics and the makeup, but he just looks kind of off. Like his nose is a little bit too big. His chin is a little bit too protrusive and that in combination with the stark black and white makeup the big black lips the the black circles around the eyes he's scary yeah i think i mean i i think that this is a scary movie and a lot of it i think is due to uh david howard thornton's acting he had experience as a mime and used that and it's obvious his his movement is purposeful and and graceful and mime-like um he he doesn't speak at all Mm -hmm. which is unsettling also i mean he doesn't even make noise there are several uh times throughout the movie where he's hurt like, he'll get hit in the head with a board or get a nail shoved through his foot or something, but he never makes any noise. He'll mime looks of pain, but he never makes any noise. And you you talked about he's got this really disgusting, like his teeth are disgusting, he's got this really menacing smile, and he does. It's this big, awkward, scary smile, but... In almost an instant, he can morph that into a sneer yeah. that's really intense and intimidating. I I don't know. From the beginning, from from when you see him in the beginning, which isn't the first thing you see, there's, there's an opening scene first, but
0: as soon as he appears on screen, ugh, I think he's spooky. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no doubt. He really is. And so a unique character, if nothing else. I think sometimes, and we've talked about this when we've watched some of the more boring slashers from the 80s, sometimes a killer without a clear motivation is irritating Uh in a slasher movie. uh, I'm not sure why. I mean, maybe we feel cheated. Maybe we think, what's the point? Right. Maybe uh, also, without a clear motivation, they have no clear weakness, right? So it's hard to tell what makes a person... It's also hard to tell what makes a person safe and what doesn't, so you know, who do we root for? Who do we say, no, don't do that. You know, you're going to die. Uh, in in the case of a killer with no motivation, it's all up in the air. Anybody can die at any anytime. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's done in a scary way. And sometimes it's really boring because it makes the movie really predictable. And, uh, you know, who's going to be the final girl, right? Well, if, if, who cares? I mean, there is no final girl necessarily in some of these movies. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's a complicated question, but I guess the question is, does this movie deliver on all of its elements in a way that's satisfying? So, like you said, the movie starts out, it's showing a a video on a TV, like a little old-style TV that's sitting on a grungy desktop somewhere. Mm -hmm. And it's a woman uh, who's interviewing, I think we find out that her name is Monica. Monica. And she was in
1: um, All Hallows' Eve. She played the babysitter in the babysitter segment. Oh! Either in All All Hallows' Eve or All Hallows' Eve 2. I don't remember which one it was. I think it was the first one.
0: Okay, fair enough. I didn't notice that. Yeah, so she's interviewing this woman, and um, at first we don't see the woman's face, but she's talking about, so you were the only surviving victim of the Miles County Massacre.
1: Now, when we left off, we were talking about the moment you woke up from the coma. Do you remember your initial reaction when you first saw your face? Yes. Would you like to share that with us? I wish I was dead.
0: And then eventually we see this woman's face, and it is horrible. Oh, yeah. I, they've made no attempt at reconstructive plastic surgery on this woman. Right. <laughs> and so her face alone is terrifying. Uh, she's missing an eye. It's completely disfigured. Her other eye seems to be there, but it's not right. And she says, I wished I was dead. As this is playing and we're hearing this, like you said earlier, we see close-up shots. It's very much like uh, the beginning Elm Street. of Nightmare Elm Street, yeah, where you see, not, not in full detail, but in close-ups, this clown putting together his makeup, putting his makeup on, sticking, sharpening tools, drilling holes in other tools, that kind of thing. There's one other piece of important information, right? They said something about the body disappearing from the coroner's office the morning of the attack, right?
1: I don't remember. If they said it, I didn't hear it. The only other thing, Mm. you know, the the interview happens, and this disfigured woman says that she would rather be dead because she can't do anything because she's a horrible sight and children run away screaming, and it just makes her feel terrible. And then the interview's over, and we see the... uh, interviewer, Monica, talking to somebody on the phone, whether it's her boyfriend or a business associate, I don't know. But she's very callow and... Um unsympathetic you know talking about the woman that she had just interviewed and she's in her dressing room and she says something like you know if i ever look like that just put me out of my misery and she turns around and is attacked by the disfigured woman and you see i think the disfigured woman like gouges her eyes out with her thumbs and yeah. that's that's the opening ki- you know Formula. You, you've got your opening kill, but we don't know where we're going to go from there. And then it just jumps to these uh, two drunk girls. Their names are Tara and Dawn. Tara is play. She's a blonde girl. She's played by played by a girl named Jenna Cannell. Dawn uh, is played by Catherine Corcoran. Um, I looked at these young ladies' uh, pages. They have worked. You know, they've they've both done other movies. In fact, I think they were both filming other things at the same time that they were filming this. So they are young working actresses. And and they're coming back from apparently a costume party because they are in costume, yeah, like, you know, sexy costumes or whatever. And they immediately see Art the Clown, you know, walking around uh, on the streets carrying a black garbage bag full of who knows what. Dawn, I I think Dawn is the blonde one. Do you remember? I, I I'll have them mixed up the whole
0: time if I yeah, don't. Yeah, D. They call. She calls her D. Yeah, Tara is the brunette, and Dawn is the blonde. Blonde. One, yeah. Okay. All right. So, uh, Dawn messes with him. I don't know. Just
1: like cat calls him or something. Um, but then they decide instead of driving immediately, they're going to go into this little pizza shop. To sober up and Art comes in and messes with them in there. And yeah. again, I, I don't know how else to describe it. It's, it's scary. He just sits down in a table kind of opposite of them and just stares, like just stares at Tara.
0: Yeah. Well, and it's, the- it's creepy. While the pizza shop owner is on the phone and and, and tells him he's going to get to with him in a minute, seems like he's dealt with weirdos like this before. Well, sure. <laughs> so he's not entirely uh, uh, concerned or disturbed or doesn't really even comment much on the fact this guy's in this creepy-ass clown makeup. I, I have to say, like, one thing about the movie that I-, I didn't know what to make of and really disappointed me at first was the overall look of it. When it first came up, uh, all we got were credits. They were credits on a black screen, and they looked cheap, you know? They looked like they were made on someone's computer, honestly. As the movie goes on through these scenes, it has a very shot-on-video look. Um, it's well-lit. Uh, it, it, you know, the movie's well-made, first of all. I mean, you've got to say, it's well-lit. The angles are great. The cinematography's good. But it really looks almost, it has that look of something that was almost like shot on someone's camcorder. Not like an 80s camcorder, but like an iPhone today you know mm-hmm. and i was a little disappointed at that at first remember in uh, all hallows eve he was obviously going for like a grindhouse type yeah. feel and i feel like that's what he's going for with this movie too in all hallows eve they really made it like throwback grindhouse like they put some film grain on it yes. and made it look as though it was shot on film and that um helped for me because I'm used to those grindhouse movies, I'm used to those cheaply shot movies from the 70s that, that just kind of look bad, and uh, and that helped for me get into the spirit of what this was going to be, a grindha- grindhouse-style film that was going to be bold and shocking just to keep my attention, and probably have some bad acting and some bad other stuff in it. So, like I said, I was a little disappointed with it at first, and then I thought about it later, and I thought, you know, this is basically the grindhouse cinema of today, <laughs> Right? Mm-hmm. Cheaply shot, direct-to-video type stuff, often looks like this, and it also has a similar effect where you realize, well, okay, like with the Grindhouse movies, there were no rules, right? So that was kind of what's thrilling about them. Um, they're not going for ratings. They're not going for a mainstream audience, and you know that the minute they come on. This is kind of the same way, right? I mean, shot on video, direct-to-video type productions, they all kind of look like this, and uh, also, you know, they can kind of do whatever even though it doesn't have that cinematic look that we're used to, I guess it's its own Grindhouse-type style of today. So I kind of came around on that, although I think just for me, having been familiar with all the Grindhouse movies of the 70s and that particular aesthetic, that aesthetic would have improved the look of the movie for me and maybe my reception of it.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I, I It worked really well for the short, I thought. Um, for a full feature... I think I would get a little bit tired of it. Uh, yeah. It didn't. It didn't bother me that um, this was a little cleaner, but you know, it it was largely or mostly crowdfunded. funded. Google tells me that the budget was thirty five thousand dollars, which is wow, nothing. You know, for, I can't believe for, for fee- yeah. So considering that, I think it looks really good. I think that uh, this uh, director has. A unique style and is concerned with style. Yes. Uh, So so often, you know, especially cheap. And I watch a lot of them cheap. You know, quickly made uh, movies with (laughs) pretty but talentless actors. Sometimes they're just awful, and they're not concerned with style at all. They probably literally did shoot it on their iPhone. You know, just Mm. direct, straightforward shots in daylit environments, and it looks cheap. It looks like something that given a tripod, you know, just about anybody could do. This, I think, looks better. I do think that he's concerned with style. It is dark. Even, you know, just uh, and, and I don't know much about this. I, I couldn't read. I couldn't find a lot about the technical stuff, but um, even set decoration and setting and, and those types of things, it seemed like there was a lot of attention paid. Yeah. So, I don't know. It didn't It didn't bother me. Ultimately, this really isn't my type of movie either. I'm not, and especially the older I get, Gore just doesn't really do it for me. I am impressed when it's done well, and I do think that it's done well here, but it's not my favorite thing to watch. That. Mm-hmm. But this movie, for me, makes up for it in... Its originality and uh, its style, I guess. I'm not articulating myself very well. <laughs> Ultimately, I guess what I'm saying is, I walk away from this movie thinking, "Oh, that's a good movie." I understand why people talk about it. Mm-hmm. I don't need to watch it a bunch more times.
0: <laughs>
1: oh, <boy>. <laughs> <laughs> but like, even some of the stuff, you know, some of the the big scenes that people talk about. I get why they talk about it. It it's well done. It's uh yeah. different. So yeah. But ultimately the story there's there's not a whole lot to it. No. The clown eventually like gets up and walks back towards the kitchen. I didn't know where he was going. It turns out he was in the bathroom, but he gets kicked out. Uh, And he's acting very silly, but at the same time, a little bit menacing. Um, He had given Tara, like, a cheap toy ring, like, out of one of those gumball machine type things. What's-her-name Dawn had gone over and, like, sat on his lap and taken a bunch of selfies with him, which he looked not at all happy about. But Mm -hmm. he's not really doing anything up to this point. He's just acting creepy. It is Halloween, you know. Yeah, yeah. You can give him that. Dawn's not worried about it. She just thinks he's some weirdo. She's not worried about it. And eventually, the girls leave. We find out after the girls leave, so they don't know this, but the clown had apparently smeared feces and other filth all over the bathroom, and that's what had got him kicked out. Yeah. And when the girls get back to their car, they find that their tires have been slit, Um, It's the middle of the night, they don't know what to do, so Tara calls her sister, Victoria, who's like a graduate student, and Victoria's going to come pick them up, but it's going to take her a while to get there, so uh, they're just hanging out in the car, and then Tara has to pee, and she gets this uh, exterminator to let her into one of these locked buildings, and it ends up being kind of an abandoned, rundown building that they're fumigating, (laughs) And that's where most of the stuff takes place. But we don't get really into the action in there until we get the first big gore extravaganza at the pizza place.
0: Yeah. Yeah, back in the pizza shop, one of the two guys who's there, not the owner, but his uh, employee, is back there cleaning the bathroom and shouting out to Steve, the owner, and not getting much of a response. And eventually he gets up and walks back in there into the kitchen area and uh, when he turns around, he notices, I, I guess it-, it pans through. I think this was supposed to be a thing. I don't think it really played, but it pans through there, and there's a pumpkin, like a jack o' lantern, sitting on the counter. And of all things to be CGI in this movie, I read that that pumpkin was CGI. Yeah. <laughs> because the uh, director decided at the last minute, oh, he needed just a little bit more Halloween stuck in there. So uh-huh. he stuck a jack o' lantern on there. But then it kind of thematically works because as soon as he walks back into there, you see that the jack-o'-lantern's not there anymore. It's been replaced by Steve's head. Uh-huh. Somehow, art has not only cut off his head, but left his eyes and his mouth burning like candles.
1: Yeah, it's funny. There are things in this movie... This movie came out in 2016. There are things in this movie that have since popped up in other huge mainstream horror movies. Like, when we watched the 2018 Halloween, Michael Myers does this. He, he mm. made one of the cops' heads into... Uh, a jack-o'-lantern that's true the woman with the horribly disfigured face from the beginning there is a very very similar looking character in jordan peele's newest movie uh nope Mm. so who knows if it's inspiration or if these are just happenstances but um yeah i have a feeling that probably those other filmmakers have seen this movie i think it's notorious enough that they've seen it, so I wouldn't be surprised if there was a little bit of
0: borrowing of imagery in some of yeah. these cases. I think you're probably right. Uh, you really are. Uh, I, and I think there was an older, older, much older movie too, where somebody's head was carved out as a jack o' lantern. Oh, I'm and, sure. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. So so anyway, art attacks this guy from behind, and surprises him, and uh, first thing he cuts off his hand just brutally with the, you know the guy's reaching for the phone, he just hacks it right off. And then uh, gets down on top of him and just starts stabbing him in the face. Brutally stabbing him in the face. Over and and over again. It really sets up the tone, like what this guy's all about. He is about absolute, just carving people up. It's just utterly, utterly brutal. And the camera does not shy away from it. Pretty much everything that happens, you're going to see on screen. You're going to see it in close-up. Whereas other movies will often cut away at some point or have things happen a little... Or at least shake things up a little bit by having certain kills happen off screen. You see a blood splatter somewhere. Uh, No, this movie's up close and personal uh, and really disgusting. And I think the effects are actually pretty well done.
1: I think they're good.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: That's where all the money went. (laughs) Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, they look practical. Um, do they always look one hundred percent true to life? No, but no. they but they look really good and messy and bloody and tangible. Like it looks like something you could reach out and touch. It doesn't look like a cartoon. It doesn't look like a video game. Yeah. I and mean, anybody who listens to this podcast knows that I'm a sucker for practical effects. So, um, as grisly as it was, um, which isn't necessarily my favorite i thought it was really well done
0: yeah it was and it's kind of funny too because i think at this point tara still hasn't come out of the car to go to the bathroom and the two of them are in there talking and they're saying could that clown have have cut these tires and and don is saying no i think he's just harmless and at the same time like just dead cuts did this guy clown (laughs) stabbing this guy in the face yeah (laughs) it's kind of clever so like you said, uh, Tara's in there. She asked for the bathroom, talked to this guy. that talked about rats. Dee, meanwhile, is in the car listening to the radio. And I thought it was cute there was an ad for a Halloween superstore <laughs> on there. And then your classic report about a brutal killer who's uh, been, you know, on the loose, the police are on the lookout for, her, who looks like a clown and uh, has just killed two people at the pizza shop. Now, who else witnessed... <laughs> I thought it was just the four of them in the pizza shop. How they got a beat on the fact that this killer was dressed as a clown, I'm not quite sure. Maybe somebody from outside saw him leave there, walk down the street or something. I didn't even think about that, but you're right. It's funny. (laughs) Anyway, uh, there's that. And uh, there's an ambulance that goes by. And uh, when she turns around to look in the seat beside her, because she thinks Tara's gotten back in the car, the clown is there. And he kind of does a big surprise kind of look on his face. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, and, and she, she screams. And she, yeah. But, but it cuts away. So we don't know mm-hmm.
1: what happened to her. And then, I think pretty much immediately, Tara has called her sister, but she's in there. She Well, first of all, she runs into this creepy cat lady. Like, I had <laughs> no so idea weird. what was going on with this woman. Oh. So there's this crazy lady who lives in this abandoned building. With her daughter Emily, which is just a porcelain doll, but she talks to it and treats it like it's a real baby, and she's just weird. And and Tara just kind of runs into her and is like, "Okay, gotta go, bye." Oh, and she such goes a to silly leave. Character. Yeah, she oh. goes to leave, but Art is waiting for her at the door, and he starts chasing her. And the next what I don't know at least half hour. Feels just very cat and mouse, you know. Like mm-hmm. he'll appear and chase her around, and she'll hide. And this is an old, rundown building, so there's all kinds of equipment and uh, machinery and cars and things to hide behind. It's dimly lit, dirty, grimy, and it's just cat and mouse. Like she'll get away for a little bit, and then he'll pop up and he'll stab her in the leg, and then she'll get up and she'll run away. And she'll hide some more, and then he pops up again. And that goes on for a while, not so long that it felt tedious. I did mm. think that it was tense.
0: It was tense. I thought this was the most tense part of the movie, really.
1: I, I, I guess all I'm getting at is there's really not much to the plot. Like, yeah. <laughs> he basically just chases them
0: around and kills them from this point on. I mean, it's, yeah, just one person after another somehow stumbles into there or gets there or... Well, and there are a couple of good scares.
1: Like, at one point, she almost gets to the exterminator guy. She's right behind him, but he has earphones in, and so he can't hear her. And just as he turns around, Art reaches out from uh, off-camera and grabs her and puts his hand over her mouth
0: and pulls her away. So she's pulled away just the split second before she would have been seen. And one of the funny things about Art, uh, I guess his trademark, you can just imagine, like, the... Uh, creators of this character sitting around being like, all right, what weapon? What's his trademark weapon going to be? And they can't decide. They're just like, I don't know, why don't we just give him a bag full of weapons he can just choose whatever he wants? <laughs> yeah, a hefty bag. He's <laughs> a clown with a big hefty bag full of scary implements. And after he pulls her away, he has a syringe that he sticks in her neck and injects some kind of drug in there to knock her out. And when she wakes up, she's tied to a chair with her mouth covered. And Art uh, goes to his little bag, pawing through it and pulling out various implements and coming at her with them in kind of a mime-like way, kind of a terrifying way, like, oh, I'm going to hit you in the face with a hatchet, and then decides no. And then, oh, I'm going to saw your neck off with this this saw. Oh, no, I'm not going to do that. But then he, he has holding this saw, and he walks in front of her where he has a sheet draped over something. And when he takes the sheet off, it is her friend Dawn hung upside down by her legs, in front of her from some kind of contraption Mm -hmm. (laughs) tears the girl's underwear off so she's completely nude by this point and alive and he walks over there and takes that saw and you know what's coming seconds before it happens and it's even just the knowledge of it is cringy Mm -hmm. he takes that saw to I mean her legs are kind of spread apart and pointing straight up in the air the middle of her legs and starts sawing down through her body basically sawing her body in half from the crotch.
1: Yeah, and the blood is spraying, and Tara is screaming. He's kind of joyful in a Oh, way, yeah. Like,
0: oh, he's totally
1: thing. enjoying himself. And the contrast of the red blood splashing on his white face and his white clothes, and by the end of the movie, he is just saturated in blood. But uh, the camera doesn't linger, but it also doesn't deny us glimpses at what is happening. I mean, we see this body prop getting sawed through yeah. in glimpses all the way down to the bottom and, and her intestines are falling out onto the floor. And he, and he, I mean, he saws completely through her. It, it's disgusting. It's shocking. I've never seen that before. Um, I can't say with any certainty whether or not it's been done before, but I haven't seen it before and it's shocking and it's practical. Looks practical anyway. Uh, Difficult to watch, disgusting. But uh, yeah. I, I feel I feel like that's the most notorious scene. When people talk about this movie, they talk about that kill.
0: Yeah, it's sort of a how can you possibly top that moment, you know? Yeah, and uh, and it's purely for shock value. I mean, then you know what kind of movie this is. It's going to linger on the gore. I've read, of course. I
1: I haven't seen the sequel yet because. Uh, as of this taping, it's not out, but that was one of their challenges that they set for themselves for the sequel was to top themselves and specifically to top this kill. It's been screened um, for some audiences uh, and the feedback is that they have been successful, that the sequel is even... Wilder and gorier and more violent and more creative. It's getting really, really positive reviews from the limited people who have seen it. So. Whew, I don't know how much more I can take, but <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> I mean, I'm like, but I know I'll watch it. I'm like you. I mean, I watch it because it's notorious, and I, I want. I'm a kind of a completionist in that you know I want to see what people are talking about. We've talked about it before. Neither you nor I are, are big gore hounds. We appreciate the special effects and and the artistry that kind of goes into that aspect of it. And you know, it can be fun, but ultimately. I'm not usually very interested in seeing a movie whose sole purpose is just to show people brutally being killed in multiple ways on the screen, with without much else going for it. I, I think this movie has other things going for it, but not much. <laughs> you know, the plot—it's it, there's not as hardly any plot. The clown is the saving grace here, and his character.
1: I also like that it um, surprised. Well, it, it surprised me several different times. It it doesn't force itself to adhere to any kind of formula or our expectations. For example, I just assumed that Tara would be the final girl. And they set it up to seem like she's going to be. After she watches her friend get uh, brutally, brutally murdered, somehow she gets away. She, She gets herself untied or something... And she stat she she grabs one of Art's utensils and stabs him in the back and runs, and then she g- picks up a two by four and waits for him to come and beats the crap out of her out of him. Uh, I mean, she's really getting the best of him. He's down on the ground. She's taunting him, telling him to get up. And then this surprised me. He's down on the ground. He quickly turns towards her and raises a gun and shoots her. Th- that is totally breaking a huge rule these types of villains in horror movies don't use guns they just don't yeah um and so to see it done it shocked me i was gen i was surprised i i will honestly say there was a part of me that was like that hey that's not fair (laughs) yeah
0: well I think that was the reaction from a lot of fans even um even to All Hallows Eve was like cuz he he whips out a gun as well too in that movie and shoots a guy from a car. It's something I never thought about until it happened, you know. I never thought about the fact these killers don't use guns until it happened. I was like that's weird. Why is that weird? Oh yeah, you don't see guns in slasher movies. It's, it's, like, too easy, maybe, you uh-huh. know? Like <laughs> It's not, it's just bang, you're dead. And, and slasher movies are really about, the, you know, the kind of that visceral up-close coming right at you, being right there. Right. And stabbing you with something, the usually. The good guys so. can have guns, but the bad guys never mm-hmm. do, or hardly ever. Yeah, but it's one of his bag of tricks. Yeah.
1: If, if this were real life, there would be no rules, so why do there
0: have to be rules in the movie? Yeah. So she stabs him in the back, as well, and runs off. I think that she's a little dumb here. Like, the taunting him, I thought was a little silly. I would have thought at this point she would just be beating him relentlessly with that board. Right. Especially when he's down and he's vulnerable. Instead, she's trying to get him up to face her before she tries to hit him again, which which puts her at a terrible disadvantage. Uh, but, you know, I guess, whatever. Are they trying to say she's more interested in a kind of showdown revenge than uh, actually getting out of there alive
1: which is ty- <laughs> well, which is not atypical of horror final girls there often is that big showdown True. between the final girl and it's a big violent you know action packed piece but this defies that he gets her down um with the shot to the leg and then we see a shot of the cat lady and she's like talking to the doll, telling it's going to be okay or whatever. Then he shoots her in the abdomen and then in the face, but she's still alive. Her sister shows up and calls her phone and art, art ha- hears it. And he's got the phone. So this evil clown texts her, <laughs> Tara's sick. Come around mm-hmm. back. I thought that was so funny.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious. But
1: then Art, Art takes a selfie with Dawn's body, which was kind of clever and funny, yeah. and then shoots Tara in the head a bunch more times. Yes. I, I just, you know, I didn't see that coming. Even if she wasn't going to be the final girl, even if Victoria, the sister, was going to be the hero, I expected that Victoria would show up and rescue her baby sister. That's usually how these things work.
0: Yeah, But no. Nope, doesn't happen. She gets shot in the face multiple times. So the weird cat lady standing there, she sees it and the clown smiles at her and waves and then she runs off. And she ends up upstairs where the pest control guy is still spraying and and the reason he can't hear anything that's going on is cuz he's got these earbuds in that are really loud. And she's coming to him. There's a dead woman in your basement and and he he's trying to kill us and he's killed people already and blah blah blah. He just doesn't believe her. Well, she's crazy. I mean, she seems crazy. Yeah, so she he's no help, and she runs off.
1: Well, but not before, like, he, he tries to call somebody, a friend or something. He goes through the stairwell, yeah, to make a call. And he gets hit in the back of the head with a hammer, Art hits him, Mm -hmm. and so he's presumably
0: dead. Yep, and Art gets his phone.
1: It leads to this weird moment, so the cat lady goes back, Victoria's, like, circling the building, trying to get in, she eventually gets in, but in the meantime, there's this weird scene where the cat lady goes back to her little den, and the baby doll is missing, and so she goes looking around for it, and she eventually finds Art in this looks-like-subterranean hallway uh, lit yeah. with some, some like flashy fluorescent light and he's just sitting cross-legged on the floor cradling the baby and like rocking the baby and she approaches and there's this really s- strange scene I don't know if I get and I don't know if I'm supposed to get it because she approaches him and she's kind of pleading with him and she says something like is there kindness in you Somewhere in your heart
0: Have you ever felt
1: a mother's touch? Can you show no mercy? She's all I have in this world. And she's getting closer and closer and closer to him She like caresses his face and it seems like he's
0: into it. Yeah. Well, he's like sucking his thumb. He puts his thumb in his mouth. He's sucking his thumb. He he leans his head into her as though she's his mom and he's cra- she's cradling him right there, and it cuts away from it. She's like, "Shh, shh you're okay. You're okay." Does that ever resolve?
1: Well, yeah, kind of, <laughs> because the next thing, the next thing that happens is uh, Victoria is looking around, and she hears Tara's voice calling to her, which I don't understand.
0: Well, she hears the ring, right? Doesn't she hear a ring of the phone? Maybe but she stumbles upon
1: the gruesome scene of dawn's body split in half and the cat lady is on the ground with her shirt off and like it looks like something or somebody has like clawed her chest open or something you don't get to see her for very long it's not but she's still alive and then victoria notices Her sister, Tara, on the floor. And Tara is somehow still alive. And I'm like, what? I saw her get shot in the head like ten times. This doesn't make any sense. But it turns out it's because it's not her. It's Art wearing her skin like a suit. What? (laughs) I mean, she has breasts
0: and everything. How did he have time to do this? I was confused at the skin. Are you sure it it was definitely her skin? I mean... I was so weirded out by this part, (laughs) I didn't know what to think. Because Art, it's Art, he gets up, he's got his clown head, but he has a woman's body. And I didn't think it was obvious that he was wearing her skin. Because he has breasts. He has breasts that move and shake and stuff. He gets up and he starts kind of doing this weird kind of dance, and then she runs away and he's sort of running after her. We get a lot of full body shots of him and it looks like he's a woman.
1: <laughs> I thought he was wearing her skin. Like he flayed her? That's what it looked like to me, but I don't know. It, and it like it's sh- never shot in close up. It's usually his full body in the frame, so I can't tell. I mean, I guess it could be him or parts of it could be him. Like maybe he just cut her breasts off? I I don't know but it's really I just didn't see the cuts yeah for that okay it's really unsettling and the way he dances and is clearly taunting victoria uh it's really wicked and it's it's a little bit reminiscent of silence of the lambs yes yes really creepy like he's a, intentionally putting on A feminine affect in his movement And again this guy studied mime So he knows how to use his body Very unsettling And she hides like in a locker or something She can kind of see out through a keyhole um, And it seems like Art Knows that she's there And eventually He kind of disappears out of her line of sight But then pops up right in front And is trying to get the door open But can't get it open Um, And he eventually goes away for some reason I don't even remember
0: why well, it's because the the pest control guy has a has a companion, a co-worker, and his coworker has been tr- kind of tr- calling him, asking where he is, and he actually shows up at the back. So um, he manages to get into the place from the back, and I think Art hears that, and he walks that's off right. to find him. The guy's walking around now. And I, I mean, at this point in the movie, I'm like, all right, well, we got another victim here, <laughs> you know? And that's exactly what it is, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, he just follows a trail of blood and stuff on the floor. He stumbles across the weird baby. And the clown raises right up behind him pretty suddenly and stabs him straight down in the head, um, which is reminiscent of another movie we saw recently that I thought was pretty disturbing. Was it Pieces? I don't remember which one it was. Anyway, and then um, he takes a saw and saws off his head. And this is all shown in excruciating, full-on detail. Yeah, It looks okay. I mean, for practical effects, there's a little bit of fakeness to it, but otherwise it looks fake. It's just super gross. Yeah. And very exploitative. And so he saws off his head, and uh, the guy's body falls. He sets the head down and then kicks it across the room like a football. The next thing that I have in my notes is Victoria passes
1: Tara's discarded skin hair. I think he was wearing her skin. Mm. Um, Because she sees a pile of it on the floor. And then she hides around some corner, and Art comes out riding a tricycle like Billy the Puppet. Uh, mm-hmm. from the Saw movies, which was weird and had to have been homage because those movies had been out for a long time at this
0: point. Yeah, but also it's the kind of trope of the clown riding a tiny bicycle as well. That's true. Uh, gosh, she uh,
1: she keeps running away. Eventually he pops up behind her, puts plastic over her face. Um, she struggles for a while, but eventually rips it open at the mouth. and She grabs a huge nail and stabs him in the foot.
0: And... The pest control guys coming to life suddenly. um, The one who was hit with a hammer.
1: Yeah, and he calls the cops, and it seems like they're going to get out, but then Art shows up again and knocks the janitor or the pest control guy down, and like curb stomps his head and smashes his head to smithereens. Yeah. Uh, Then, gosh, I don't even.
0: There's one part. So okay, she finds stomps s- his head. Then what? Yeah, she she has found her sister, who's um, been propped up on a chair. I think clothed again. So I don't know, but anyway, and she's got a, the word "clown" on a sign, in front you know, on her lap, and she's strung up with lights. And then the uh, art comes up from behind her, and he one of his weapons, which I think he also had in the first movie, was a chain, and I thought this was unique. It's like a long chain that he has tied different sharp implements to along the length of it so that when he whips it around like a whip and whips her with it she gets cut up and torn up a ton but you know they have a struggle and uh, she manages to get loose and uh, he's kind of strangling her and and then she gets him in the eye which then incapacitates him for a little bit and she manages to make it outside she gets outside which is what they've been trying to do this whole time Art has locked the entire building with, like, chains and deadbolts from the inside. Like, every door they try, they can't get out of the building. She gets outside, looks around, and immediately turns around and tries to go back inside the building through another door.
1: I honestly didn't understand what was happening. I, I don't know if I blinked and missed something or what,
0: but... I rewound it. I-, I, lo- I was looking to see what motivated her, now that she was outside, to go right back in the building. And there was nothing, nothing I could see.
1: Well, the next thing that I remember, there are, like, these big doors that say, keep out, and she goes in, and he grabs her through the door, but he can't squeeze through, so he just taunts her with the bicycle horn, and then the next thing you know, he hits her with a truck? Like, what? Yeah. Like, (laughs) when did he—I
0: guess it was the— the uh, exterminator's truck? Oh, maybe, maybe it was the ex- maybe he left the keys in it or something. I don't know. But the the clown drives this truck right through
1: the door that she's behind and and runs her down. And then the cops show up. And was he kneeling over her, eating her face? Is that what was yeah. going
0: on? Yeah, that's what they mentioned later. He's kneeling over her, eating her face. The cops show up. And they're like, "Put, you know, stand up, stand up, put the gun down. He's got the, Art has his gun. Put the gun down, put the gun down. Art gets this kind of like look on his face like, oh, God. He stands up and he turns around. And by now, American cops would have shot this guy five or six times. <laughs> he sw- swings around with a gun in his hand. But it, it, they, they're still holding their guns on him. And he takes his gun, he puts it in his mouth, and he shoots himself in the head. Mm-hmm. He unmistakably up through the brain falls down you see the blood running out of his head his head's almost like flattened a little bit by the bits blown out the back I mean this was surprising to me obviously did not expect the killer at the end of the movie to just shoot himself no I don't know I, God, oh, I didn't know what to make of that at all Oh, of course, I'm still trying to figure out why this stupid woman was running back into the building she was struggling so hard to get out of
1: well the cops the cops are surprised to find that Victoria is still alive oh yeah <laughs> she you She's you can still... hear her gasping um, yeah. but they don't show her i don't think and, and then it cuts to a morgue. And it's a goofy scene with the mortician, like, eating a sandwich while he's working on dead people. And the cops bring in a couple of body bags. And one of them is the guy who got his head completely smashed. Um, But the other one is Art, the killer. And so after the cops leave, the doctor opens Art's body bag. And Art has his eyes open, staring right at him with a huge smile on his face. And then the lights start blinking, the phone starts ringing, you know, something weird Magical is clearly is happening. happening. Mm-hmm. And then all of that stops, and Art grabs the doctor's throat, sits up, and then it cuts to black, fade back in on a hospital hallway with a woman in a wheelchair, people standing around her, and it says, one year later turns out it's Victoria's parents taking her home they swing her uh, wheelchair around and we see that she is the disfigured woman from the beginning of the movie Mm. so all of that that opening scene the rest of the movie actually happened before that Um, and then there's just a flash of Art's face uh, really quick and then the credits roll yeah I think
0: the clear implication here is that he's supernatural
1: yeah Which was suggested in the original short, too. Mm -hmm. Um, There was no way he could do all of the things that he did in that short. So, yeah, there's something supernatural going on. Um, And, of course, we know that he's coming back uh, for a sequel, which, honestly, I'm really kind of excited to see just because I think that this director uh, has a vision and and it's really picking up support. Um, it was a little indie movie um, and I think that people eventually found it over time on streaming services and by word of mouth and at this point I think it's pretty well known at the least by real horror fans yeah. um, your, your casual horror fan who only sees you know blockbuster type horror films may not be aware of this but uh, I do see you know images of Art the Clown popping up in pop culture um, and in merchandise a lot these days there's been a lot of hype about this sequel coming out Um, so I think that if he hasn't already he's well on his way to cementing himself in the pantheon of classic horror villains Um, and I I would argue deservedly so yeah Um, I think he is frightening and unique I think the performance performance Uh, The portrayal of the character is really strong. This guy who did the movie is not the guy who originated the character in the short, but he has done this movie and uh, he's reprising his role for the second one. So I'm actually looking forward to it. In terms of would I recommend it to others? To uh, major horror fans, absolutely. I think you should definitely see it. Um, it is a, a Halloween movie. It's got Halloween elements with costumes and decorations and, and stuff. So if if you're into the kind of like more hardcore stuff, the the, the really scary, the really gory, you're going to love this. Yeah. If you're not, if, if you're gore is not your thing, if uh really, really graphic violence is not your thing, then you are not going to like it
0: at all, and I would caution you. Um, to stay away from it. At the end of the day, it's really mostly about that. I'm interested in seeing the sequel just to see where they go with it from here, and if they go with it. You know what I mean? I mean, do they have a concept or a vision of something beyond just this clown running around killing people all day long? Are we going to get some backstory? Are we going to get some more insight into the character? Is there going to be kind of some twist or some new ability he has? Or are they going to up the stakes beyond just a small, you know, a couple, of, just a handful of small, insignificant people in a little building? I want something a little clever. I want a, at least a thread of a story I can get behind. Something I can laugh at. And this movie's—I don't know. There's a little bit of humor in it. There's actually there's 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 a fair amount of extremely dark humor in it. Yeah, um, really dark Yeah, so...
1: But it's also, it's really nihilistic, too
0: Yeah, um, and and the nihilism in this day and age the, For me, anyway, I get enough of that Just in everyday life and the news um, Right You know, I'm actually really interested in that sequel Because there's something compelling about this clown You know, maybe there doesn't need to be any backstory Maybe that's really not the point I don't care about that What I really just want to see is a story just some attempt at more of a story, just some more interesting characters that I care about, just to give it a little bit more of that emotional punch, you know? Even the Friday the 13th movies, as much as I dog on them, they are guilty pleasure buying. <laughs> and, you know, they at least make some attempt at, a, at a, some kind of story and making some interesting characters. And I think if, honestly, I think if this were rounded out with that, I think it's the lack of that that really um, kind of makes me eh about this particular movie. And maybe that's something that the sequel will fix. But yeah, I mean, everything you said, I, I pretty much agree with. If you're a gore hound, you're going to love it. It's, it's a movie for you, made with love. It's a love letter to you, basically. Um, and I agree with you. I think this villain is, is going to be here with us to stay, especially if the second movie does does well. Well, thank you again for listening to another episode. If you enjoyed it, please share it with a friend. And also please consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon, you'll get access to a couple mini-sodes that we do every month. You get access to the entire unedited version of our phone calls that we do. We, We end up revealing a lot of personal information on those. We don't cut away at the end of our recordings. So uh, you can hear a little bit about what's going on in our lives and what we chat about, if that's interesting to you. Uh, As well as uh, you get to influence the movies that we do next. We always run our requests by our patrons. We have one more Halloween episode to do, uh, and I think we should uh, brighten it up a little bit after this horribly depressing movie. (laughs) Let's let's go out with a with a happy, goofy bag next week. What do you think? All right, sounds good. All right. Until then, I'm Todd. And I'm Craig, with two guys and a chainsaw.